Non-rock-a-boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? You're delusional. Delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yeah! Oh! What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go in the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I got, yeah. I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when no. they're not. Take an amazing journey. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 10. Unequal weights and measures and unequal measures are both alike an abomination to the Lord. And then verse 23, unequal weights are an abomination to the Lord and false scales are not good. Proverbs chapter 20, y'all. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Apologia Radio. This is the gospel heard around the world. You all can get more at ApologiaStudios.com. That's A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A Studios.com. That's where you guys go to get all the past content. We have hundreds of radio shows, podcast episodes, anything from sheologians to cultish to provoke to Apologia Radio. When you sign up for all access with Apologia Studios, you partner with us in this ministry, make everything that we do possible, whether it's traveling around the country to get these bills into place to um, bring equal justice, whether it's on the street evangelism, the teaching ministry of this church, all that you see coming from Apologia Studios is made possible because brothers and sisters just like you are partnering with us in this ministry. Many of them have been with us since the very, very beginning, and we're grateful for all of you. Also, when you sign up for all access, you guys uh, participate in what I just did yesterday, and that's Ask Me Anything. Once a month, I think it's the third Tuesday of the month, we do an Ask Me Anything. It's on the website where you get to log into a private feed where we get to engage and talk, and uh, it's a very intimate setting, and you guys get to send questions and engage with us. Uh, And that is at All Access. So sign up for All Access. Don't forget, everybody, please don't miss out on a free elite seminary education with Dr. Greg Bonson. We've been entrusted with his entire life's work and ministry work from all of his seminary lectures to his teaching in church to, uh, I mean, just everything. So philosophy, history, apologetics, theology, all of that is there. And it is for free, thanks to the Bonson family entrusting it to us. And so it is at apologiastudios.com. Sign up for Bonson U. It's a free account. Uh, You get to get the best Christian education possible. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't make any sense. It's madness. <laughs> and it's criminal. It's criminal. It's a gift from God. <laughs> and uh, and if you're not taking advantage of it, you are missing out. So this would be great for Bible studies, great for men training for ministry, training in theology. I mean, it's it's the best of the best of the best. And so go and get your Bonson U account. I'm Jeff. They call me the ninja. That's Luke the Bear. 
Happy St. Patrick's Day. Yes. Woo-woo! One of us is ready. That's right. You're wearing the green. I know. He's ready every day with that Bible. That's, That's right. There you go. But It's a green sword. For all my brothers and sisters in Northern Ireland, I know I'm wearing the wrong color. I apologize. But in the U.S., if you're not wearing green, you get pinched. That's right. Oh, I actually right. was wearing an orange shirt this morning, and my daughter pinched me. And I was like, excuse me. Yeah. I'm wearing the correct color. Yeah. But I'm just know. letting anyone know in the studio right now. If you pinch me because I'm not wearing green, there's gonna be you're gonna be catch you're else. gonna catch some hands. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna catch some you're hands. Catch a beat. Uh, that is uh, Zach Conover. That is uh, our director of communications for End Abortion Now. What's up, y'all? What's up? Hey, uh, welcome everybody. Uh, we have a lot to talk about today. Hopefully, this episode will be a great blessing to all of you. Thank you all for joining us on the live feed right now. So we have a lot going on. Um, we have just announced so you guys can participate with us. Uh, Easter pageants coming up soon. Mormon yes, Temple and Mesa. I am so excited. Very excited about that. One of my favorite times of the year. Finally opened back up again. Opportunity to witness to thousands of Mormons. Uh, Latter-day Saints there. It's one of our very favorite things to do. And um, it's coming up soon. So hopefully you guys will be seeing content from that. This is the first outreach after the renovation. Correct? That's right. Yep. They've been renovating it for years. So they years haven't had it. Yeah. And wow. so uh, we're all very excited about it. Um, and so you should be seeing some content from that very soon. Again, thank you to all of our All Access partners for making that possible. I just got a, a, a message yesterday from a person that said that they their entire family came to Christ out of uh, Mormonism wow. by watching our content. Praise the Lord. Amazing. So praise God. So uh, All Access partners, you're doing this ministry with us. So when we do this stuff and it goes out to the world and people come to Christ, this is a joint effort with the body of Christ. That People are seeing it because you're part of this with us. Yeah. So thank you for that. I hope people understand that. Whether uh, it's, it's uh, ministry to Mormons or abortion ministry, like everything. Your, your partnership with that, you're doing it. Yeah, everything. If someone's getting the gospel through this channel, you're a part of it. So um, we also are going back to Denver, y'all. Um, April the 2nd, we're going to be in Denver at the state capitol to do a rally for our bill for equal protection in Denver, state capitol, 2 p.m., mm-hmm. 2 p.m. And then the next one we have on the schedule that's coming up is going to be Louisiana. April, yeah, Louisiana. Louisiana. April 30th. April 30th. Louisiana. Louis- I'm having ba- such a hard time Baton getting Rouge. it right. Louisiana. Baton Rouge. <laughs> I'm just supposed to say Louisiana? Louisiana. Yeah, okay, yes. I got to I got to I got to relearn that. Yeah. Programming, yeah. Louisiana, April 30th, yes. state capital, Baton Rouge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I don't really think we have a time for it yet, do we? Uh, no. Nah. Not that I know of. Okay. Be the one no, so you know the day. All right. It's April 30th. Come and join us. We need you all hands on deck. Um, we're very excited about what's happening in uh, Louisiana. I still didn't say it right. Louisiana. Lo- just like you're losing something. Like, like I, I, had to, I had to relearn because uh, everyone sees it on, on the map and you go, Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah, right? there's an I in there. And you're not allowed to say that there because they'll strike you. You have to say, <laughs> you have to just relax the jaw and say, Louisville, Louisville. That's yeah. how you say it. Uh, wow. Louisville. It's one soul. soul Louisville. Soul. Uh, so soul. <laughs> anyway, I had to relearn that. I got to relearn this. Okay, it's so. like you're losing your proper grammar. Think mm-hmm. about that and yeah. then get it right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's how I they like do that. it in the South. I like that. <laughs> Improper, but beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful people. You Sound, Sounds beautiful. Uh, so that's what's going on, at least on the schedule. We have more coming. Um, all glory to God for what's happening. Bills of equal protection in Colorado, in Louisiana, and... Uh, <laughs> lots of places. Yeah. It's coming. So mm. we need you on the ground for that, guys. If you're anywhere near those states, come and join us. We really, really need you with us in this. And uh, let churches know in your area that it's going on. And so we also have big announcements. 
Huge announcement. Very excited. And I'm telling you, this stuff is like around the clock preparation. We have some very exciting things in store for you all. We are going to do the conference of all Christian conferences. We are building this in such a way that we hope that it is a tremendous blessing and so different than the standard fair Christian conference that you're used to, where you just kind of go, listen to Talking Heads for 45 minutes and just get pile-drived with, you know, messages for for two or three days. Not that that's bad, but, it, you know, we want to do this in a way where it's it's not a church service, it's, it's a Christian conference. So you're getting fed, but you're also getting to fellowship, and you're getting to hang out and, and do all kinds of amazing things, and even... Even get inspired by some incredible performances from the best in their field. And so we are doing ReformCon 2022. ReformCon 2022, perfect time to. We had to move it. Uh, we were planning on do it, doing it at the beginning of this year, but we just had to move it because it wasn't going to be what we wanted to deliver to you all. And so we moved it, and it worked out perfect to Reformation Day weekend mm-hmm. 2022. Pastor Luke, you want to tell everyone what's up? Yeah, so you can go. Uh, we just went live, actually, today with registration. So I know we've been announcing this for a while, but we are live. You can go now to reformcon.org and go ahead and get your tickets. It is the early bird right now, so if you get in right now, you'll get cheaper admission um for probably a couple months we haven't set a timeline on that yet but uh go now get your get your tickets early get a good price for that so i think it's 160 bucks right now is the early bird and you have to put your 160 like hammer it to a wall Mm. on a church is Mm. that how you rsvp or well i just want to say one thing (laughs) that's a good idea the the one thing i want to say about the 160 uh for the conference um is that it's cheaper than fight laugh feast conference um, they, those are our boys. We love them very much, cross politic. But our conference is not only cheaper, but it's actually better. And uh, we have so much. Uh, we have so much that we're doing. We don't even want to say at the moment uh, because uh, you know it's not going to be in a cattle arena with screens that you can't even see. Um, it won't be like that. It won't have you know no security at the door. So like you don't even need to buy a ticket. Yeah. Which was the last last fight, last feast. Love the guys, love the teachers, yeah. all that. But there wasn't even security at the door, so people could just walk in. I don't know why you bought tickets. It was, it was basically honor code. It was, it was basically a free event. Um, and uh, so you know we're not yeah. going to do that. We're going to have you yeah. know we're going to honor people who bought tickets. We're going to have people standing <laughs> at the door checking your yeah. tickets so that you know you paid for something and you got what you paid for. We, um, and you know we're not going to treat you know human beings like animals by putting them in a cattle arena. Um, and you will be able to see the speakers. Promise. We promise you that you'll be able to see the promise. speakers this time for ours. Yeah. So, but our our conference is cheaper than theirs. It is. Fight laugh feast. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Looks like we fight harder. <laughs> yeah. And this is very funny. <laughs> So, <laughs> fight harder to keep money in your pocket. Oh man, we love we and love I, our and fight I am left eating feast. right now, so we're gonna feast right here. We love our fight left feast, guys. That's right. So, um, yeah. So, ReformCon uh, website again is reformcon.org. Reformcon.org. Go get your tickets. We have great stuff happening. I'm telling you, there's going to be time to hang out with us. There's going to be time to just sort of fellowship and feast and hang out and and just a, a great time. We're also, and like I've mentioned, we're going to have uh, performances um, in different areas. The name of the conference is By This Standard. Standard is the Word of God, and so we want to demonstrate that the Word of God goes into every area of life, whether it is education, governments, whether it is the arts, uh, whether it is economics, whatever. So we're going to have specialists in their field, leaders, world leaders in their field, uh, for each sort of category, and even some uh, some interesting performances to sort of inspire and motivate everybody to get involved as a Christian with the Word of God at your feet as you as you um, engage in all these areas mm. of where, life. Where do I sign up? For yeah, this? that's exactly. 
Right, reformcon.org. Reformcon.org is where you sign up. And by the way, I don't know if I mentioned this, it's cheaper than Fight Left Feast Conference. Um, and uh, did I say better? You did. I did say better. Yeah. Uh, you could circle back around and say yeah. it again. You'll be circle able back. to see the speakers. <laughs> hey, uh, sorry. <laughs> it's got distracted. Not to derail this conversation. You mentioned pile driving earlier. Did you just, did you see Razor Ramon died this week? Oh, Who? yeah. Oh, I, don't, I don't think Jeff watched pro wrestling. Yeah, you up, did. No, I did when I, I did when it was like Hulk Hogan. Yeah. So he and Razor was the Ultimate that, so Warrior he was like at the end of. Yeah. I, I was watching 90s. it when it was like really getting off the ground and famous. Yeah. You know, it was Andre the Giant and Razor stuff like Ramon that. was more mid nineties. Yeah. Hulk and those guys were. That. He wasn't that old. He was in the sixties. Mm. Mm. Probably steroids. That's a common uh, end that a lot of pro wrestlers meet. Yeah, hard Ra- stuff. Razor Ramon. Yeah, you don't remember him? No, did he cut people? Why is he called Razor? Uh, he always had a razor in his mouth or something, didn't he? I don't think so. <laughs> he always no. had a toothpick. Yeah, he was. Uh, Kind of the the quintessential his, bad guy. His he made it kind of cool to be bad. His okay. move was called the Razor's Edge, I think, right. if I remember correctly. Mm, yeah. yeah, I see that. Yeah. I see. Anyway, so I he thought you would know who like, Razor Ramon was. He had this kind of like suave look with the yeah. slick back hair and the toothpick. I remember kind of that guy. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, I, rem- you know, I remember. I remember. Like, like him. this kind of. Why, why is it got to be Cuban? Well, that's just kind of the part that he played. That's the character. That I'm he's totally funny. joking. It's funny I'm just playing his, into the his modern. His real name was yeah. Scott Hall. It right, was like the right. least Cuban name ever. Uh, right. Yeah. All right. It was as white as it comes. So. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Anyways, I did me. derail the conversation. I <laughs> yeah. apologize. All right. So welcome, Let's everybody. Hey, you. <laughs> thank you guys for joining. Uh, Norseman93 uh, gave us 20 bucks nice just name. now. So peeps. God bless you all. New Christian here. Hey, thank you, Norseman, very, very much. Praise God for uh, your salvation. And uh, hope you get hooked up to a solid church and uh, get fed and get uh, get growing get and be used by God. Um, Sorry, I'm laughing because James O'Brien came on there and mentioned Ricky the Steamboat Dragon. Oh, <laughs> the Steamboat. Steamboat. I, totally, I completely derailed this conversation. I'm yeah. Sorry. All right. Yeah. It's all right. Wrestling it's all right. Here. I yeah, love this is apology or radio. Wrestling. It's apology it radio. Best. I used to watch all the time. Anyways, there's no rules. Yeah, I used to have all the toys. I had Hulk Hogan. I oh, had Ultimate Warrior. I had that. all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, I was big into it. Yeah. I know you. Were. I stopped. I don't know. You know, when you found martial arts. Yeah, I, I don't know. When yeah. did I stop? I don't know. I, I think I stopped right around when Airwolf started. <laughs> 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 well, that know, was a good show. That was a great that show. A I don't great, know. Uh, yeah, phased out of I phased out. I got into you Airwolf. know Night Rider and Airwolf, Airwolf and, and you know exactly. Oh man, I still watch good times. Eighties was a good the time. Nostalgia is washing. Eighties right was now. a good time. Care Bears. You had a. What what was the show, the Jim Henson show where they ate the glass of Fraggle Rock? Fraggle, down with Fraggle, down Rock, Fraggle Rock. Down with Fraggle Rock. I came in at the end of the eighties, so I'm kind of dating y'all. And uh, who remembers, of course, when Nickelodeon became a big thing? I remember coming home from school every day. You had to watch. As soon as you came home from school, you had to watch uh, the show. Um, Double Dare. What? No, it was a show where they got slimed. Double where Dare. they entered? Was it Double Dare? Yeah. That was a show. That was what it was called. Mm-hmm. Rug, okay. Rugrats or where? You, where if someone <laughs> said? Dare. Where if someone said, I don't know. Wasn't it, I don't know, you got slimed? Wasn't it, hey, who in the comments remembers this? I think it was. What was it? You had to say something in that show, and this is what made Nickelodeon famous with the slime. You had to say something in the show where, like, if you said the word, you got slimed. I think it was, I don't know. I remember the slime. Uh, Well, this tells you how old I am. Yeah, anyways. Someone did ask uh, if there's an age limit for Reform Con. No, I should know the what's, answer what's, to that. No. no, we want families to come. Yeah, well, fam, bring, nursing bring, babes and bring your infants. Yeah, yeah, bring your fam, bring your kids. Absolutely, bam, bam. it's everybody. I oh, we didn't mention, we did not mention this about ReformCon. It's very, very important because we are not like other conferences, and we want to actually give you a nice. You can't like, say that on television. 
You can't say that on television. That That's exactly right. Yeah. And it was, I don't know. You I did think get we, slimed in Double yes. Dare, though. So, um, uh, Mark be, Summers. Uh, because we are trying to do this in a venue where you're going to be comfortable, it's beautiful surroundings, and you can see the speakers and things like that. Yeah. Not like a cattle arena, treating people like animals. Yeah. Um, we wouldn't do that to anybody. It's a but nice venue. Because it's a nice venue... And it's in a great area of town, accessible to everything. I mean, you're 10 minutes from the airport. Good food. It's you can good walk. food. Good you food. can walk to great food. I mean, it's right across the street. It's a huge a shopping plaza with all kinds of things to eat. We're going to have, you know, food trucks and all the stuff, you know, showing up because it's just, you know, we care about taking care of our people that exactly. come to our conference. And so because of that, um, because we're not like other conferences, we only have room for a thousand seats. That's a good point to bring up. It's only a thousand seats, yeah. so I just want to say, it's not very many. You better jump on it if you if you <laughs> want to come. We anticipate being completely sold out. So if you want to come and come at a cheaper rate, which is already cheaper than other conferences, um, uh, you need to get your tickets soon. So I really recommend doing that because it, it is limited seating, and once it's closed, it's closed. That's yep. it. So um, you do need to you do need to get your tickets soon. Darren uh, brought up a good point too. He said we will not be telling people to baptize their babies. No, 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 no. That won't happen at at ours. Thank you, Darren. That's we'll respect the we'll point. respect the fact that you have. Yes. But we won't we be we won't be bombarding you with the Baptist stuff. No no baptism bats. That's right. No baptism bats. We don't do that. And because we, we just don't treat people like animals in cattle arenas. <laughs> we just don't do that. Um you know how that relates to baptism. <laughs> Your guess is I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but we don't do that. So, uh, reformcon.org is where you go. Speaking of, speaking of our boys over at Fight, Laugh, Feast and Cross Politic, uh, starting with this, everybody knows that we all work together yeah, and we love each other. Sure. We love them so much. I don't know how much content we have that is is Christchurch guys and Apologia working together. Fair share. Uh, it's been a long, 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 long time. We've served God together. We we talk about the same things. We believe essentially the same things um, across the board. I mean, the, the major disagreement we would have would be on the issue of infant baptism. And that's something we, we keep uh, in a way where we can continue to love each yep. other and serve one another. And, uh, and we care for one another and we serve God together a whole lot. I want to say, I have eaten together with the Christchurch guys, shared meals, been in their homes more times than I can honestly remember. And um, uh, they're like my favorite people in the world. One of my favorite places to go in the world is Moscow, Idaho, mm -hmm. um, especially during Christmas time when there's snow mm -hmm. on the ground. I love Christchurch in Moscow. I love Doug. I love Toby. I love chocolate. I love uh, water I love water water, water dribbler. Um, <laughs> I love them all. I, I love them to all. Him twice this week. Yeah. <laughs> so no, seriously, everyone. As we start this discussion, I think it's so important. Um, I, I guess I, I here's how I'll start it. One of um, the things that pains me a lot, and I try not to even respond to it very much when I see it because I don't want to even feed it, and it's just like you feed it, you just stoke the flames, is just how abusive Christians can be towards mm. one another. Yeah. Um, and it's across the board. Let's be honest. It's across the board. It doesn't matter if you're Arminian or if you're Calvinist. I mean, yeah. Christians can be very abusive. Nasty. 
And, and if you want proof of that, just look through some of the comment sections on some of our videos. I mean, it's like the, you could be doing the most amazing, praiseworthy. You can have the most amazing, praiseworthy thing, and someone who professes the name of Christ will just come in there and just act like a jerk. Would you talk like that if they were sitting across from you? Yeah, and it's like, like wait, I thought we all agree this is a good thing. Why are we fight? Why, why would you want to find an opportunity to fight here? Right. Christians can, because we're sinners, uh, tend to be abusive towards one another, uh, not thoughtful, not loving. And so I think it's really important because, um, and, and you know, I will go, we'll go ahead and confess, readily confess, in the Reformed community, um, the theology that we believe, our soteriology, our view of how a person receives the gift of God, uh, of salvation in God, um, it should be the thing that drives us the most to humility and to our knees, right. and right. the thing that humbles us the most, and to be so, just so uber gracious, uber gracious to one another. And, but it, it, you can see in the reform community because there's such a dedication to, you know, rightly handling the yeah. word of God in Doctrine, such in such a strong yeah. way, and that you don't want to lose that. That's very important. Yeah. You need to be that way. That we sort of like lose like godly wisdom about how to behave and how to be gracious as people come along to the truth, right? Like you can see something that is so clearly true in the word of God, and you start swinging it like a bat. Like this is how I'll convince people. I'll destroy them. And it's like, is that how you came to those? truths. Right. That's not how you came to those truths. It wasn't because someone destroyed you with those truths. It's because they lovingly showed you and you worked through it in the Word of God and you saw it and you go, okay, yeah, that's the truth. That's how God saves. But in the Reformed community, admittedly, you can have people that act like punks and um, right. are not gracious, um, are not um, receiving of one another. And, and one thing that James has pointed out too, and then I'll, I'll toss it over to you guys here as we enter into this discussion where we're going to try to respond to what Toby said about smash mouth incrementalism, one thing you have to recognize is that church history is a glorious mess. It's a glorious mess. Yeah. It's glorious because there are great moments, uh, peaks of faithfulness and commitment to God's truth and amazing things in history, but also it's a mess. Even your greatest heroes in church history have said some of the most amazing, powerful things that are consistent with Scripture, and then on the next page, they do an absolute face plant, and you're like, oh, gosh. Yeah. So if you're looking for, and again, James says this a lot, if you're looking for the person that looks just like you, and that's how Christians look, and that's how they're supposed to be, just like this, um, you're going to have a hard time finding yourself in church history, because it's across the board. Yeah. It's a glorious mess. You have heroes. Again, they say amazing things, and then they say some stupid things. Um, and you got to be gracious. God's sanctifying his church, right? And we need to love the brethren, love those who hold to the same faith as us. So when you have something like Christ Church, um, Doug and Toby and all our guys there, you know, we love them. We work together. Like, we don't see them as anything other than our brothers in Christ. Yeah. And we're on the same ground before the cross, but we do dispute with one another over some issues, and usually we do it with laughter. <laughs> like we, the baptism discussion, we might have that discussion over a meal. We'll engage it for five minutes and then smile and laugh, hug each other, and just move on. Mm -hmm. uh, Pastor James uh, is debating uh, Doug yep. um, next month. Next month. Yes, I believe so. Next month uh, in Moscow uh, on the issue of pedo communion. They work together, they love each other, and they're still going to debate these issues, but they're going to do it as brothers. Now, they're serious issues. They're important issues. They're issues that impact the world and impact your methodology. But they're not the issues that define the Christian faith, right? Like, we're not talking to somebody who denies the deity of Christ. We're all together on that. We're not mm -hmm. talking to somebody that, that, deny, that denies that faith in Christ is what, you know, justifies us and reconciles us. 
We're talking to a brother that affirms all of that, brothers that affirm all of that. We have the same God, the same gospel, the same scriptures, the same commitments, but we still can argue. But we can argue in a way that actually says, let's be serious about it, let's give our best stuff, and then let's go and eat a sandwich. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, let's, let's, go, let's go and serve the Lord together now, right? We'll have this dispute, and then let's go serve God together. Yeah. Let's go worship together. I've worshiped, we've worshiped at Christ Church. Um, at Fightland Feast. A number of times. I've been to the actual church. Which won't church. be as good as ReformCon. Lord's Day. All that. No, it won't. But um, clearly. Beside, um, beside the point. But, but that's beside <laughs> the point. Like, they've, they've worshipped with us. We worship with them. And so it's very important as we engage this discussion. I think I want to lay this down. We're engaging this as brothers. That said, it's serious. Mm-hmm. What we're going to talk about is very serious. Now, I've got blind spots. And I look forward to the day that Toby points them out to me. Right, and I learned from that. Um, but I think Toby and Doug have blind spots here, some commitments that they've sort of had ahead of time that are inconsistent, and I think it's obvious they're inconsistent. And so let's talk about it. I hope that Doug and Toby change their minds in this area because it's inconsistent, and having them working consistently in this area, in other words, letting their reform theology, their postmillennialism, and their theonomy have legs on it would put them, I think, in our camp. Because what really drives so much of what we do in the area of abolition is our post-millennialism, our reform theology, and our theonomic perspective. They share that. And so I think my my goal here is to try to work together with our brothers to say, hey, here's some blind spots. Do you see them yet? Um, But not standing above them saying, look at your dirty blind spot. It's to say, hey, brother, you got a blind spot here. This doesn't work. Um, And having it work right is going to bless the world. So I think you put it well. It's not an issue over propositional truth in Scripture, because like you said, we hold to virtually all of the same positions in all these different areas. It's about the application of the truth to this particular issue and a question of wisdom, which is what it's all about, applying scripture for the day that we live in, in terms of this injustice. Yeah. Um, So I was just going to say, fun fact, that the hands down the number one church or the church that I've done the most membership uh, transfers with is Christchurch. Right. Uh, Back and forth. Either way, we've sent people there. They've sent people here. Hands down, not even close. Um, So yeah, I mean, we love, I'm, I'm sure Toby's going to listen to this. I, I gave him a heads up that we were going to be covering this. And uh, we, I mean, I've said this a lot. Toby's one of my favorite dudes. He's one of my favorite preachers. And so we I love these guys a ton. I talked to Gabe twice this week. And Gabe and I even had a conversation. You know, we're like, what's great is that we can have this conversation. We can lovingly say, you know what? I disagree here um, and, and not want to kill each other. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, unfortunately, there's a lot of people who would who would fall into our camp on this subject who are just not nice people and have been very awful towards Toby and yeah. and across politics for their views on this and we don't want that we want to be able to demonstrate how we can have a healthy conversation um and just real quickly I saw someone said that uh we're not willing to include LDS into the brotherhood um she says she's LDS sorry L but your Christ is not the Christ in the Bible. Luc- the Lucifer's Jesus. brother, yeah. um, the spirit offspring of Elohim and one of his goddess wives is not the Christ of the Bible. If you don't have the true Christ, you do, will not have life and salvation. Um, you will never become a god one day because God says he's the first, the last, the beginning, and the end. There's no god before him and none after him. The idea that you can, through your own obedience and cooperation with 
um, a resurrected um, uh, man who became a god one day through obedience to, to different laws and principles of the gospel that you can become a god or goddess of your own planet one day is, is, uh, is false. It is uh, the height of evil and arrogance and human pride. And I would encourage you to turn to Christ, the true Christ, uh, the eternal God in faith. Um, so <clears throat> let's li- can we start with this, the, the issue of that you just brought up, Pastor Luke? You brought up the issue of there are people who would call themselves abolitionists mm. mm-hmm. who misbehave and are abusive. Yeah. And we need to make sure that we're, we're clear that what we're, we're not trying to promote, hey, join our team, this little group over here, we want you to put the title of abolitionist on your head. Yeah, we've said like, that for a while. That's the ultimate. Mm-hmm. You can believe in an ideology of abolition or anything, right, mm-hmm. without becoming a card-carrying member of that group, right. right? You don't need to, we don't need to create a, a little group over here where you sign up and get a card to say, are you officially this? Good to go. Now we're, now we're good. No, it's, it's the truths and the principles behind it that we're trying to promote and say, these are biblical. We would just say it's sola scriptura applied to this issue. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think it's important because let's, let's just be honest, because I am sure that our brothers over at Christ Church have been at times hurt, offended, agitated and, and I think unhealthy, ungodly ways by by some mm-hmm. and abusive behavior coming from them. I would hope that our boys over at Cross Politic would understand that accepting these truths that we're going to present and these arguments doesn't mean now you become a card-carrying member with those guys who've been abusive to you, right? It's not about joining a team. And can we all just be honest about this? How many abusive and nasty Calvinists have you met? Right? Do we say that Reformed theology and Calvinism is not true because, man, there's a group of them who are just absolute thugs? Um, if that were the case, I wouldn't be a Calvinist or I wouldn't be Reformed because I've met some online Facebook covenanters that I would never yeah. want to even eat with. I was just going to say yeah. online in particular. Yeah, I, I would never want to even eat with. Um, and so, but that doesn't, that doesn't change the fact that the, the, the truths that we're presenting here from Scripture in terms of like unequal weights and measures as an abomination before God, um, that doesn't change. And the abusive behavior of some or even the sinful behavior of some doesn't change what we're trying to point you to. And that's very important um, to make sure we, 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 we make a distinction between truth and an, ide- and an ideology and a particular people that hold to it, card-carrying members of it. That's good. One of the struggles that we had very early on uh, in the last decade was that there were certain people, we believed all this, but there were certain people that were believing it too that were just nasty and abusive and uh, just terrible to others. And they were separating from the church and they were creating their own little abolitionist churches and things like that. And it was just so destructive. And we, we, didn't, we didn't try to call it out publicly in terms of name people. We just said, we're going to distance ourselves, and we're just going to keep fighting faithfully, and we're going to keep holding to these truths. Um, and so we recognize that there have been some problems with people who call themselves abolitionists. There's a segment of people who have been, let's be honest, abusive. Now, I'm not—listen, and this is key. When I say abusive, I'm talking about character issues and behavior. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying— that we don't ever say the hard truths to people, even believers, that are offensive, right? Right. So that's key, because someone's going to hear this and say, well, I, I, I'm going to tell the truth, and I don't care how much it hurts someone's feelings. We go to the Mormon temple, and we preach the truth. We tell people they have a false Christ, and they're going to be led away to yeah. hell. 
And we do it in a way that is gracious and loving. Right. And we try to do it in a way that is, is caring for them as an image bearer of God and winsome. Can I just say it this way? Simplest way I can put this. Don't tell me that you truly value the image of God and that's why you're fighting because the image of God must be protected and valued. We must hold it up. We must protect the image of God. We got to care for all human beings and be loving to them, love our neighbors. And then you do not treat the the image bearers of God who are walking around you with any love or grace or dignity or respect at all. Like I respect the baby so much that I'm going to fight for their, for their lives and their souls. But every other image bearer of God is walking around here. I'm perfectly fine with cutting their throats. Yeah. It's an inconsistency. Right. If you love the babies, because in principle, they're the image of God, then you got to be more loving to the ones who are standing up around you as well. So, well, just one more thing I was going to add is I was thinking about this. Um, our, what we're going to, we're going to dissect what, what Toby said here. And we obviously have some disagreements, but his position is not the problem. Cross politic isn't the problem. <laughs> We're going to get into what the problem is and what's allowing abortion to continue. It's not them. They are actually, and Gabe brought this up to me the other day, and it's an excellent point. Like, they're very supportive of what yeah. we're doing oh, and yeah. what abolitionists are doing. They have a, and we're going to talk about that, but like, I mean, he even said, like, he, he supports our rallies all the time. He support they're, they're supportive of the bills we're doing. They're not the problem. Yeah. Um, and we need, people that are in our camp on this and need to stop treating them like they're the problem. So, yeah, I think to your point, what James says about, you know, the tongue from the same mouth come blessing and cursing, right? My brothers, these things ought not to be. So does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water. Yeah. And so this is about, you know, the way that we speak to our brethren who are with us and Mm -hmm. hopefully trying to win them. That's it. We should be trying to win exactly right. our brothers and sisters to the truth. Yeah. We should be trying to win pro-lifers to the truth. Yeah. Not make enemies out of them. Because I, I have found so many people who are quote unquote pro-life. Um, they're just Christians. They assume that the industry is trying to end it. They assume they're calling it murder. And you just need to spend some time with them instructing them and saying, no, you're missing this. They actually don't hold to Christian principles. They are not committed Christians in this area. And here's what they're actually doing. Yeah. And it just takes some time to try to convince them and encourage them to see there's a more consistent way to do this through the local churches um, and to do it faithfully. Yep. So let's win one another to the truth rather yeah. than just cutting each other's throats. Yeah, you can still call out those who are trying to do this apart from Christ and taking the moniker of pro-life on them. You can say the hard things like you said, but, Mm -hmm. you know, for the one whom Christ died, there should be an assumption there of gentleness at least. Well, and and the issue with Christchurch, to say this as a lead-off, Doug, Toby, Chocolate Knox, Gabe, all those guys, uh, they all believe that it's the image of God. They all believe that it's the image of God from conception. They believe it's murder. They all believe that it's murder. They all believe that it ought to be abolished and end immediately. As the first point of Toby's article right. gets into. Right. Right. And so the problem here is an inconsistency with methodology and approach. And so that's what we're going to deal with. And so what we see in, in our brothers is men who are in full agreement with us on all the foundational issues. Exactly right. But there's an inconsistency in methodology and approach of how do we actually go about doing this. 
And so what we're hoping is, is our brothers will see that inconsistency and say, yeah, you're right, let's drop that and let's move forward. Um, it's not a matter of winning, right? It's a matter of saying as believers, let's serve the Lord together and let's do this in a way that glorifies him and honors him yep. and actually is effective, not just pragmatic, but actually is effective. So uh, you guys ready to go? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Let's do it. So uh, Pastor Toby um, did a video, and it was called Strategy to End Abortion, Eight Tenets of Smash Mouth Incrementalism. This is Pastor Toby, and uh, he is going to spend some time talking about the position of smash mouth incrementalism. Here we go. Until the next legislative session to bring a bill of complete abolition, how is that not incremental? Are you saying that it's okay to kill babies until then? Of course not. Introduction. This is not any kind of official document, but rather an informal reply to a request from some for an explainer of the tenets of the smash-mouth incremental approach to ending abortion. While the request was for tenets, consider this more of a list of biblical principles defending the approach. But it's a thinking-out-loud list, certainly not meant to be complete, exhaustive, or necessarily representative of anyone other than me. Pastor Douglas Wilson coined the phrase to describe our approach to ending abortion here in Moscow at Christ Church and our related ministries, although it certainly is not a requirement for fellowship or membership. So here goes. One, we call for the immediate end of all murder by abortion from conception on and biblical justice for the unborn and we support all efforts to establish this moral, judicial duty in the world. Stop. <laughs> I'm so guessing. First, Just a guess. You're going to comment half, on that sentence. First half, <laughs> yes, 100%, amen, thank you. Here in the second half, and here, herein lies the issue, and I know you're already ready to go on this. The question is, should we support legislation if it is not just legislation? That's it. And that is the, the bottom line issue here. Yep. Go. No, that's it. Jeff, I mean, Jeff just put a bunch of steak in his mouth. I'm waiting. I'm, I'm going to let you guys yeah. go first. Let's, yeah. Like you said, I mean, we want all murder to stop, murder by abortion, and from conception. They That's the biblical position. It doesn't get any more biblical than that. The, the question becomes, uh, which efforts do we support? Are they the ones that God explicitly says that he hates in his word, or are they a one, the ones that he... Um, approves of. That's the issue. And this is what I would encourage uh, Pastor Toby uh, to to think on, brother, just think on this. I started the show off, and Toby, you, you're you well aware of all these verses. We hold to the same position on this completely in terms of the law of God and culture and society. God's righteous standards, um, his justice established, and his word, his law, his law word is, 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 the, is the reference point we go to to say what is actually just. We know in God's word that unequal weights and measures is an abomination to God. I gave you in Proverbs chapter 20, there's actually in one chapter, two verses in one chapter on the issue of unequal weights and measures. That's the issue of partiality. Partiality. So if anyone's just now getting into this conversation, say, okay, what's the big deal? Well, I want you to think about what Pastor Toby just said. We're in full agreement. It's murder. We need to end it immediately. From conception. From conception. So everyone here goes, great, we're all on the same team. We agree We agree the same things. But here's what you will hear from Toby and from Doug. Um, and and I, I'm not in any way impugning their character or trying to make fun of them. But I, I, I want you to hear this in terms of consistency. Here's Doug and Toby. 
smash mouth incrementalism. It's murder. It's the image of God. God hates the hands that shed innocent blood. It must be immediately stopped. It's a sin that will lead you to hell. It must stop. It must stop now. But I'm willing to compromise. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's, that's their position. But I'm willing to compromise. So this is, this is partiality. It's unequal weights and measures. It's an abomination to God. But I'm willing to compromise. That's the issue. Yeah. And you really need to let that hang because that is, you have Doug and Toby in promoting smash mouth incrementalism, holding on to two things. One, the truth, murder, stop it immediately, abomination before God, but I'm willing to compromise, but I'm willing to compromise. Now, that's, that's the main issue because I want to say that the issue here, uh, Toby, I know you'll watch this, Toby. When you think about this, this particular issue of incrementalism, I, I think there is a problem with definition going on here. And this is key. We don't mean that we're opposed to incrementalism in terms of a small step in the realm we're in getting us to justice established all over the world as Isaiah 42 promises. Which is point four. Right. We, we, we believe that, of course, you can only work with the step that's in front of you. But what we say is this, that increment, the faithfulness in, say, the state of Arizona or the state of Louisiana or the state of <laughs> Still didn't get it right. Colorado, that <laughs> okay. faithfulness must be a faithful increment, not an unfaithful increment, right? So yes, it is technically an increment, and we're not opposed to that, to stop it in Louisiana. 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 Yes, that's an increment, but it's not going to be a compromised increment. It will be a faithful, prophetic increment. It will not be a compromised increment. So, for example, what we're challenging with you, Toby, is this. You and I would agree, Toby, 100% as pastors, we know the Word of God. We know God's standards of justice. God says here, unequal weights and measures are an abomination to him. So as pastors, we can't put a stamp of approval on something that God says he hates. What I said in response to Doug, Toby, is I said very clearly, if this legislation was brought before the throne of God, does God hate it? And if it's partiality, we know, because the law word of God, God hates it. He hates legislation that says you can kill these babies, but not these babies. You can kill the babies who are pain capable, uh, or, or you can't kill the babies who are pain capable, but you can kill the ones who aren't, the arbitrary standard. You can kill the healthy babies, but not the babies with genetic abnormalities. That's partiality. It's an abomination to God. So no minister of the gospel should ever stand up before the public square and say, it's murder, it's evil, but I'm willing to compromise. And what's the compromise look like? Well, I know that bill is an abomination before God. He hates it. He will judge it on the last day. Isaiah chapter 10, he says, woe to those, a curse on those, condemnation upon those who write these iniquitous decrees, which is what it is, making the fatherless pray. Um, we can't say, that's how God feels about it, but I'm willing to compromise. Because the answer ought to be this, what? Be prophetic. Yeah. Be, be, be truthful. Be honest. Say, no, God hates that. This is an evil. It's an abomination. God hates it. Let's do what's right before God. And yeah, 
You stop it first in Arizona. You stop it first in Oklahoma. You stop it first in Louisiana. Still didn't get it. You stop it in you stop it in Colorado. And yeah, that's an increment. But here's the difference, Toby. It's not a unfaithful increment. It's not an unfaithful one. It's faithfulness the whole way through. And I'm going to pass this on to you guys. But just think about this: the issue of the gospel, the issue of the gospel. Toby's going to say here in a moment things about mustard seeds becoming trees and the gospel going forth small becoming large. Um, this is all related to this. I'm going to put this down at the beginning of this. Yeah, the gospel goes into the world as a mustard seed, so small you can barely see it in your hand and becomes a tree larger than a man. That's true, amen. But the gospel goes forth into the world with a pure gospel, mm. a real seed, not a compromised seed. And Jesus, with large crowds in front of him, he actually makes this, the crowd disperse by actually saying, if you're not willing to come to me and hate father, mother, sister, brother, wife, and even your own life, don't come to me. So Jesus didn't preach a um, compromised gospel message that starts as a seed that becomes a tree. He had a pure gospel, a faithful gospel, an uncompromising gospel that was a seed that made only a couple disciples that finally grew into a tree mm-hmm. that we see all around the world today. Right. But it was never in a compromised increment, a compromised seed. So what we reject, Pastor Toby, is we reject the idea that you should, as a man of God, as a Christian, as a woman of God, you should actually accept something that is a compromised gospel or a compromised bill, a bill that God says he hates. That's the issue. So this this definition problem of increment, well, if you stop it here, that's still an increment. No, what we're against is compromised increments. Mm -hmm. If you're going to fight against abortion... You better do it with justice that God loves, justice that God speaks about. You can't do it with compromised justice, right. which is really no justice at all. I, I think, too, it, it might be helpful to say this, that sometimes we get bogged down in the discussion by this terminology, immediatist versus incrementalist, when it's like, okay, well, Scripture doesn't use those words. The categories that we have are, is it just or unjust? Right. Like, that's how we should be thinking about it. So if it helps for the purposes of this discussion to just like take those terms for a second yeah. and put them over here, like let's just put them over here off to the side and let's just Agreed boil point. it down to, is it just exactly. or is it unjust? Nobody denies the reality that there's going to be progress, but we uh, wholeheartedly affirm that God is the one that grants that progress as he sees fit to. Mm-hmm. And yet he reveals in his word, the duty that he requi- requires of us, mm-hmm. right? The prescription, what is the prescription for how you enact justice? This is it. That's what you're responsible for. God's responsible to take liberty and to do what he will and to grant the appropriate amount of progress that he has determined to grant. But there's still the issue of what has he said to us? How are we to be faithful? And that's one point. And I know the second point in your guys' conversation with him in Tennessee, that was the question you asked. Yeah. Um, well, wait a minute, go back for a second. Think about what you just said. Does God hate it or is it evil? And I remember his answer. It was, well, if they know, if they have knowledge about it, then they're accountable. Well, that's a great argument for the prophetic witness of the church to the magistrates in the civil realm, because they ought to know. Mm -hmm. They ought to be uh, being instructed in this area. They ought to be being told that, in fact, this is a violation of God's word. Yeah. So I this is a great conversation just as far as what are what are actual righteous increments this is a conversation we've been having a lot the last six months to a year or whatever because um, there are those in our camp that um and i think that's why toby was saying this that would say there are no increments period 
and we're like, well, there has to be at some degree. The question is, is it a righteous increment, right? And so, like, um, you know, the to- the example Toby uses, <sighs> brother, that's not really a, a that's apples and oranges almost because the way our nation's set up, like, obviously it is state by state, so you can't really use the state by state example to say like, well, yeah, there's increments, you know. Yes, there are, but that's that's almost a different conversation. It's really a different conversation than the, the kind of incrementalism. Right, we're a righteous about. increment. Yeah, exactly. Or <laughs> even like because we've had this conversation. Not an abominable. Yeah. Increment. Yeah, exactly right. right. So like, there's there's a lot of states that don't have the death penalty, right? So we're saying like, in in each state, we're saying this abortion should be treated as murder, like for the you know from conception. And but in certain states, if we were able to get a law passed in those states, treating it as murder, they don't have the death penalty. That's not a just penalty for murder, but it's a righteous increment, right? That would be one that you. It's you righteous. Yeah. So then the next increment would be okay. Now let's let's make the the penalty for murder just based upon right righteous standards of exactly. witness and all the rest. Yeah. Yeah. But what? But exactly, you're you're keying in on the main right. the main issue um, because. When you work to define what's in the womb and provide equal protection for all humans, that in itself isn't an abomination. You're instructing that state and the legislature, that's human, it must receive equal protection, you cannot have unequal weights and measures, protect all humans from conception in this state. Yeah, you're exactly right. You get on the tail end of that and you go, man, their justice system is flawed there. I mean, they're giving people like two years, three years for murder, you know, whatever the case may be. Or they're putting people on death row on like circumstantial evidence without like proper witnesses. That's a whole other area, yes, that needs to be dealt with with the prophetic witness of the church. Amen, amen, amen. But what you are dealing with in the area of the slaughter of the preborn— That legislation you put forward, you cannot put forward legislation and give your thumbs up to it as a as a minister, as a Christian, when that legislation is legislation that God hates. Because it's teaching the people something. Yeah. The yeah. law is a teacher. Yeah. And so if the law is teaching people that this is acceptable when God says that it isn't, it, we're going to be held accountable for that. Exactly right. The question to ask, the premier question each and every time, and this is what we do all the time when we're working in states and we're trying to get legislation put forward and, and be a prophetic witness to the church, we're asking ourselves the question, does God hate this? Yeah. Does he hate it? Yeah, because an, 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 an unjust, unrighteous increment would be just, for example, like, you know, you can have an abortion up to 10 weeks or whatever. Like, those would be, that would be an example of an unrighteous increment. And, and, this, and this is what I want to challenge Toby on. I did the same thing when we responded to Doug. But, you know, there's the two main abominable sins in our nation are uh, abortion and gay mirage. Right. So if there were if it was a law for 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 gay marriage, I can promise you they would not be responding the same way. If it was a law that said, well, a man can marry a boy, you know, 13 and up, but not under that, they would be saying, no, that's not righteous. That's not, you know, and that that would be I think that would be a a, a, a an unrighteous increment that we could compare like they would not be responding the same way so i don't understand why when it comes to abortion they're they're treating it this way you're right no exactly i think that doug and toby and all of our uh, brothers and sisters at christ church would fight the battle in the area of gay mirage without compromise and with proper definitions so what we're arguing for is that as you fight against child sacrifice you have to do it in the same way you would fight against the evil of gay mirage you would do it without compromise and with proper definitions. Right. 
always and every time. And we know that'd be true of our brothers over at Christchurch. We're, we're halfway through one point here. Yeah, we're, there you go. We're rolling. That's all right. Let's do it. All right, Gabe, here we go. Moral judicial duty in the world. We condemn all efforts to stymie, stonewall, ignore, or bury such legislative measures or judicial decisions, especially by organizations that call themselves pro-life and lack the courage or principles to take decisive steps to end abortion. Thank so, you. That's, that's <laughs> Thank important. You. Yeah. That's important. I'm glad Toby says that because, Toby, you just indicted the entire pro-life establishment. We're against those who would not have the courage to just do what's right and to end it immediately. And this is where I see a conflict even in your thinking, because the pro-life industry essentially is smash-mouth incrementalist. I know Doug created this terminology, smash-mouth incrementalism, uh, smash-mouth incrementalist, but it is a distinction without a difference because the smash the incrementalists of the pro-life establishment that are willing to accept these um, steps that are essentially partiality, unequal weights and measures, and all the rest, um, those people still say what Doug and you are saying, that we'll accept this, we'll compromise, we'll accept this increment, but we're going to go for more later. We're not going to give up. We won't be content with it. We're not content with it. So it's a distinction without a difference because I know Doug says smash mouth and incrementalist, but, you know, Scott Klusendorf says exactly the same things. We'll accept this little step that's an abomination. We'll accept this injustice, but we're not done. We're going to keep going. We're going to get our way. So smash mouth incrementalism is, is a creative way to put a title over Doug's position that essentially is a distinction without a difference. It's what the pro-life establishment does. They say, we'll accept that for now, but we're not done. We're not done. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep pressing. Um, and it's and, and Toby knows this, and Toby would hate this. He would hate this. He would despise it. He would preach against it. It was the pro-life establishment that fights against our bills yep. consistently. Yeah. It's the pro-life establishment that wars against our bills of equal protection. They do not want them passed because they see the mother as a victim herself. They don't want it to be called murder. They don't want it to be a crime for the mother. We were just in Denver uh, speaking at a hearing. The bill before ours was saying life at conception, protect all human life. We're like, yes! And then you read the rest of the bill and it said the only person responsible uh, for killing the child is the abortionist and definitely not the mother. Uh, So those are bills that are uh, evil, unrighteous, unequal weights and measures. Toby would hate those too, but it's the pro-life establishment that is fighting against all of our bills for equal protection for all humans. And again, Toby would hate those. Mm -hmm. Um, He would totally speak against it. Yeah. So one, one quick thing, I think we, we talked about this briefly. I, I think brother Toby, I think if you guys were more involved in a legislative end of things, if you were involved in getting, Find a candidate in in Idaho and trying to put forth righteous legislation. I th- I honestly think you would have a different perspective on this. I can tell you before we got involved, you know, before before we realized what was happening, before we started an abortion now, we had a completely different view of things. And then once we saw what was happening, it cha- it completely changed our minds because we were like, oh no, the what's happening is not what I thought was happening. Yeah, and and so like I mean, you guys cross politics. Politics is in the name of your show. I know you talk about you talk about politics more than we do, to be honest. But I think you guys aren't really actually involved in the legislative end of things. And I think taking that next step, I promise, will be very, very eye opening. So, yes, here we go. Two, we believe that all who hate wisdom love death, and the natural man is enslaved to bloodshed and violence 
as his idolatrous sacrament, and he will refuse to repent until God destroys him, either through physical death and hell or through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe that it is the mission of the church to proclaim the gospel to every creature in every nation, calling them to complete repentance and submission to Christ and obedience to his laws in Scripture. There you go. Welcome to abolitionism, Pastor Toby. <laughs> we would not depart from one iota of what you just said. <laughs> amen and amen. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, Toby. What, what you just said, we won't compromise. We're going to tell the truth and tell people to obey God's law. That's it. So if you guys hear Pastor Toby, you see what a faithful man he is. Toby's not, he, he's not placating. He believes this. Toby's powerful man of God. He's preached one of the best sermons I've ever heard in my life, to be honest with you. Hold on. He's coming to ReformCon, yeah. and he's speaking on justice. Yeah. That's, how we, that's how we feel about Toby, okay? So his standard and knowledge of biblical justice is on point. I'll just apply it to abortion. Right. So Toby... I'm looking forward to your sermon on justice at the at the conference um, at ReformCon. Toby believes this. He fights for this. He fights for the souls of his people with this message across the board. He's faithful. Um, but again, Toby, I would just challenge you with this. Think about this, brother. You say here, no compromise, full-throated gospel. We don't stop until everyone repents and they go into obedience to God's law, Right? That's the position. And then because of your methodology, you've picked up with smash mouth, smash, smash mouth, smash, smash mouth, mouth. <laughs> smash mouth incrementalism, you say, but I'm willing to compromise, right? It's got to be the gospel and only the gospel. It's God's standards. It's God's justice. We're not stopping until everyone hears the gospel, pure God's justice, God's law, obedience to that. But I'm willing to compromise. Yeah, we got to get there somehow. That's the position, it is, but I'm willing to compromise. We're not talking about an increment, right? We're talking about the issue of compromise because you can have, of course, the state of Arizona bringing equal protection and abolishing abortion. And yeah, that's an increment te technically, but it's an uncompromising increment. It's a faithful increment. It's actually justice. It's not injustice. So there's the difference is that what we're saying is that you have a position and a standard here that is glorious and amazing, and we know you believe it. But because of a methodology you've adopted, you then go, but I'm willing to compromise. Not justice. Not Christ. Not the gospel. Because we need to make our way there. But that's not the goal. <laughs> the goal is faithful seeds, right? Again, my, my, my challenge is this. Yeah, the gospel comes forth as a seed that becomes a tree. It's like leaven in a lump of dough. But it's it's real leaven, and it's a real seed, right? It's not a fake seed and fake leaven. It's real. That's what changes the world. It's not faithless leaven or a faithless seed. It has to be the real thing. And I know Toby would agree with that, so that's the issue. No legislation or judicial ruling will end abortion, but Christ will end abortion through the gospel, and it will be reflected in the laws of the land over time. And you can't do that through compromise. Christ will end abortion through the gospel, right? That's what's going to transform the world. Christ, his gospel, the message of the truth. So you can't get there with compromise. You can't get there by saying, okay, just half, right? Like Jesus doesn't say to the crowds, like, um, 
when he says, you know, hate father, mother, sister, brother, wife, even your own life, um, you know, carry the cross, come to me. When they start walking away, he doesn't go, okay, okay, half? How about some, right? He doesn't do that. It's without compromise, it's just the truth. That's how the world changes. And yeah, that looks like a little seed with only a couple disciples left, but it ends up changing the world because they know the message. They say, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. They knew the truth. So Jesus doesn't compromise when he's giving the truth, and we can't in this area of abortion. Yep. Do you have something to say? That's it. Go for Free. it. We believe that the gospel works through the world like leaven in a loaf, like a mustard seed slowly growing. Likewise, while every regenerate person is fully justified at conversion, sanctification is the process by which Christ conforms people to his glorious image, an incremental process only completed at the resurrection in glorification. While all known sin must be put to death as quickly as possible, God does not convict everyone of every sin equally or immediately. This is especially true of widespread cultural sins. For example, polygamy, divorce, and slavery. While God hates the shedding of innocent... But when he does deal with sin in our lives or in the world, he does it truthfully, yeah. without compromise, and faithfully. Toby's right. In the issue of sanctification, by the way, I think he's, 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 he's mixing categories here. One, the issue of sanctification of believers, sanctification yes, of the church, yes, yes. and the issue of justice in the legislature. He's, he's mixing categories here. Um, yeah, it's true. When God sanctifies believers, praise you, I praise you, Lord. He doesn't do it all at once, right? I'd die. <laughs> we'd, be, we'd, we'd, we'd literally come apart of the seams and we'd turn into dust. Um, and God is gracious and it's step by step. But guess what? God never compromises in our sanctification. Does he? Like, does, he, does God say half, right? Some. God calls us to obedience. And so when we're being challenged and grown in our sanctification before God, what is God never doing ever with his word in our lives by his spirit, never compromising with us? Right. He's never not telling the truth to us. It's always with the truth. Sanctification occurs because it occurs by the spirit of God with his truth, not compromise. And again, you're mixing categories here because when we look at the world itself and the injustices, the role of the church is to be salt and light to it. You can't be salt and light to a world that's headlong into hell by lying to them about their sin. Mm. We can't come into the world placating, well, maybe half, just a little bit. You're murdering children. We need to call it what it is. And we can't say, you're murdering children. It needs to stop immediately. You need to honor and obey Jesus Christ. And then they say, okay, well, how about I kill some of the kids? Okay, I guess so. No, we, we come into the world with the same kind of prophetic witness as all the biblical heroes. And I want to remind everybody that when the church comes in, and Toby did an excellent talk on this, by the way, when the church comes in uh, to the world in the public square in the book of Acts, it is conflict, 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 conflict. It is fight, 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 fight. It is riot, 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 burning, breaking, beating, jail, all that. Why? Because they're preaching the truth. They're not doing it with compromise. They're preaching the truth. God commands men everywhere to repent. They just tell the truth. So what we're saying here is it's not so much a difference between like incrementalism and immediatism, because I think there's some problems with definitions there in terms of what Toby is hearing. It's a question of faithfulness yeah. without compromise, truth without compromise. And Toby is an amazing man of God. He believes in that. Faithfulness, no compromise. But Toby and Doug, you both have adopted a position, a methodology in this area 
that is not consistent. Maybe you've held to it for a long time. That's just sort of been what you've held on to. It's just not consistent. It, and I think you, it, you know that because I think here's how you answer it. Again, this is the main issue. If this legislation, if you were to examine it as a minister of the gospel in light of God's justice and his law word, does God hate it? Does he call it an abomination? And if the answer is, yeah, he hates that and he calls it an abomination, then why are we supposed to support that? If it's Christless and unjust, what role do we have as the church to support something like that that's Christless and unjust? Isn't the role of the church to win every man to Christ through the proclamation of the gospel and to point him to God's law word? Isn't that what Toby just said? That's what he said. So that's the goal. I just thought of something, uh, and I, I think this is super powerful. So... Toby, one of my favorite sermons of yours, I assign to people all the time as homework. Um, it's on victimhood. One of your, I quote you all the time. You can ask anyone here how much I use this quote, but the quote basically is, as Christians, we should reject all invitations to victimhood because uh, we have the perfect victim and we're never truly innocent. I use that all the time in counseling. Um, all these bills that are stopping our bills they're stopping full abolition. All these compromised bills are straight victimhood bills. Hmm. Right. Because Why of the is mother. it because of yeah, the mother, right. because she's a victim she's claiming. So, it, so Toby brother, hear me on this. So when you're saying we, we should support this bill um, because you know, it's this bill is being put into place because people are saying that the mother is a victim and we are then as Christians uh, accepting an invitation to victimhood. Hmm blood especially of children and his prophets certainly condemned it the center of their message was a gospel message of repentance that would have resulted in gradual reformation in the land for while god's just through just quickly we've already said it a lot of times but i'll say it again through real repentance genuine repentance not fictitious repentance real repentance that occurs because truth uncompromising truth is unchanging, the implementation of his justice will always be imperfect in this world, and our goal must be gradual conformity to God's eternal standards. We find examples of this gradual conformity. Okay, pause. Gradual conformity to what? God's eternal standards. We don't get to gradual conformity to God's eternal standards by compromising on God's eternal standards. That's very important. It, yes, gradual conformity happens because it's like a must. It's like a mustard seed that becomes a tree. So it moves its way into the world, but its goal is God's eternal standards. So the only way it gets to that place is by proclaiming what God's eternal standards. And one of God's eternal standards is unequal weights and measures are an abomination. So you don't get the world to believe in God's eternal standards by not proclaiming. God's eternal standards or compromising on God's eternal standards. Mm -hmm. Very important. In the fact that God did not immediately put Cain to death after he murdered his brother. He did not immediately prohibit blood avengers for men. But what does he call it? Murder. That's the key issue. <laughs> he, ne he never, he never, misdefines it, right. redefines it, right? He never compromises on what he condemns people for. In all these instances Toby's going to talk about, whether it's homosexuality, whether it's 
the, you know, the Avenger polygamy. blood, what, what polygamy, all the rest, God still always tells the truth about it. He's not compromising on what he calls it and how he's, he's warring against it in his people and all the rest. And so it's very important here, when we talk about instances where there's graciousness or mercy given by God, yeah. it's graciousness and mercy given by God without lying about what it is, yeah. without compromising on his condemnation of it. And that's what's being missed here. Yes, Scripture is full of examples of God being merciful to David, King David. God being merciful to, to Moses, God being merciful in so many instances, whether it's exiling or whatever the case may be, but God never misdefines or redefines what the issue is. He's never compromising on the word itself. Even in the area of polygamy, even in the area of polygamy, God has a word specifically to his people. Deuteronomy 17, 17, you shall not multiply wives, right? It's always God always not compromising on the truth of what's actually wrong here. So if you know that's the case, I know the eternal law word of God. I know what the world needs to get to. Again, you don't get people to that place by not telling him what that eternal word actually is. Yeah. And if you have something in front of you that actually violates that eternal word, like a heartbeat bill or a bill that says, yeah, kill the healthy kids, but not the kids with Down syndrome. If that's what's in front of you, you can't compromise. Why? Because that violates the eternal word of God. That's not his law word. That's unjust. And so I can't accept that. Why? Because I'll never get the world to repent and believe in Christ and to establish his justice by establishing injustice mm -hmm. and accepting it. I think that's a great point. I was just thinking, like, to sum, that, sum up what you just said, God objectively choosing to show grace yeah. to people, to men in history, does not change his objective standard for what is just and what is unjust right yeah and it's not an endorsement for yeah. us to support the things that he's right. condemning right he was gracious and merciful before so let's uh compromise now and you know that doesn't that doesn't follow pastor toby and slaughter he did not immediately prohibit polygamy he did not immediately or fully prohibit slavery nor did he completely prohibit sinful divorce and scripture praises kings who used methods of suppression for sodomy for example exile instead of the death penalty prescribed in the law. Five, while obedient... And uh, it's important to note that, yeah, in Scripture you have the example of uh, capital punishment for sexual crime, like homosexuality. You also have the issue of exile in Scripture. Uh, both, I think, are good ways to handle the issue, but there's also other issues that need to be discussed in the issue of, of exile versus capital punishment. And very clearly, you need to have two to three witnesses to bring charges against a person for a sexual crime. So at times maybe there are instances, I think, round about us where you could have exile being the uh, the gracious way of dealing with the sin of homosexuality when you don't also have the, the um, witness necessary for homosexuality. Mm. That's one that's one way yeah. to deal with it. So there's a way in Christian society and culture where you could simply say it's it's illegal here, it's wrong here. And if there's an instance where it's clear someone is in that area, you could say exile. That might be what I would guess too is how he would uh, you know respond to this would be that you know during the times of the monarchy that was a, a provisional commonwealth in which there was a constitution written for uh, the kingdom. And so you know the thing about kings being praised uh, for doing this, you know, that line of argumentation, it, it, I think it might be a little precarious though, like to like look at a narrative description of what the King did mm -hmm. 
or what, you know, whether it's Josiah, Jehoshaphat, you know, in those passages that he would cite, and then like look at that as the basis of what our political ethics should be mm-hmm. or our, our course of action now. Like right. this is what the king did, you know, whether or not he banished them or as some have written in response to this, like this is actually referring to like he more than likely burned them. <laughs> he more than likely did execute them, mm. right? This is an issue of definitions right. in the text too. So right. it's just kind of striking to, to, I mean, it's kind of precarious is what it strikes me as to use the, this narrative like this as the prescription right. for what we do in the legal realm. That's what, Yeah, and that's a good point. To God is immediate, complete, and joyful. Jesus teaches that the son who said no, but then later obeyed his father, is better than the son who said yes and then never actually obeyed. In other words, Jesus taught that obedience is sometimes slow, incomplete, and halting, but partial obedience is to be preferred to accomplishing nothing at all. The same- but in terms of the role that we have in calling people to obedience, we can't compromise on what that obedience is supposed to be. That's the issue. This, this is what is right before God. This is honoring to God. This is consistent with his law, word, and his character. And so what we can't do as Christians is begin fighting for things that aren't actually obedience. That's the key issue. This is an abomination. This is compromise. This is evil. This is an iniquitous decree. We can't fight as Christians with those things in our hands. Uh, they're weapons that don't work. You know, one thing you'll hear Doug and Toby saying a lot is uh, run every play. Run right. every play. First of all, I don't play football, never have. You have. Um, I think the coach that tells the people run every play um, is probably a bad coach because some <laughs> of the plays aren't any good, yeah. right? And so I think that needs to be acknowledged. Yeah. While, while it might be a, um, an interesting way to put this, just run every play, try to do that, I think it's important for us to note, but not every play is actually effective. It's not actually good. You don't just run every play because some of them are actually really bad. Um, and I, even in my own realm, like I said, I'm not a football player. Luke was um, in martial arts. If you had a coach saying, just just try everything. I'd be like, like, that's not how this works. You can't just try everything, right? Like, uh, they won't work with this guy. Uh, you, have to, you have to use the effective strategy, the thing that will actually work against this opponent. It's like, um, imagine going to war like that. Like, your general, like, every, everything's hot and difficult. And, the, and the, they go to general, what do we do? He goes... Run every play! <laughs> Just throw everything at them. It's like it's like I'd yeah. probably want the general that was like, no, this is the way yeah. to beat them, and uh, not run every. Play. I I know we're poking fun at it here too, but it kind of carries with it the assumption that the game that we're playing, right? Because they would say, you guys throw the hail mary, awesome. We'll take the one yard gain, you know, from this strategy. Yeah, but it's that. like that. What I think what we have to understand is one side is following. Um, more often than not, the referees and not the rules of the game. And by referees, I mean Supreme Court justices. Mm -hmm. And so one side is saying, oh, is this okay to do? Can we do this, Supreme Court? Are you okay with this? Okay, great. Um, As opposed to, you know, getting down the field in a way that honors God and actually playing by the rules. And what I mean by rules are God's law, of course, but the Constitution, Constitution, right? So what our nation... Uh, says about this, the law is the ultimate standard. So are we going by the rules or are we going by the referees? Because if we're going by the referees and we try to go down the field with these compromised uh, steps, then we're playing by uh, their rules. They're the law. Mm -hmm. And so they say, no, actually, you have to go back and start at this end of the field Mm -hmm. because that's not satisfactory for us. Right. 
as opposed to us playing by the rules and saying, no, you're defying the rules of our nation and it's you that needs to do an about face. Right. Right. Yeah. I was just going to say too quickly, I like Toby, your your teaching on parenting has been very challenging to my my family, my wife and I. And I know you say this all the time, first or uh, full obedience first time. Right. Yeah. And going off Happy of what, heart, yeah. obedience all the way and on time. Yeah. Right? What we what he just mentioned though was, well, you know, sometimes, you know, partial obedience is okay. Like, brother, you wouldn't tell your kids that. Like I know you wouldn't tell. Th- well, that. that's the point here. This is a loving challenge to our brother. You that, you just nailed yeah. it. This is, I think, the key thing. I hope he hears, um, and I know he'll receive it with humility. We want the Toby that preaches on Sunday morning. We want we want. I love that Toby. We, I love that Toby. <laughs> I want the Toby who writes and teaches, and does so with so much consistency, and so much conviction, and so much power. Right? I want that Toby that preaches on God's standards and God's justice. I want the Christ Church and Canon Press that sells Lex Rex, right? And defiance to tyranny. I want those guys to fight like that was actually true. I'm not saying you guys don't believe it and you don't do it everywhere else, but in this area of the issue of abortion, you've adopted something else. Because because if you listen to Toby with the family, if you listen to him with the state and everywhere else, uh, I think you'll be an abolitionist. Right. Uh, so I think it's it's more it's more in the category of I think you've been carrying some baggage and methodology that isn't fitting with everything else that you're saying. Mm. Now again, let let's not be arrogant here. I know I've got that in my life. Sure. I mean, everyone does. All of us have traditions. We're packing along with us that. We're going to find out this wasn't consistent with Scripture. You should have been some, doing something different. That's against what you actually believe. They're there, and I think they're here with Toby and Doug. And the reason why we're talking about it is because, let's be honest, and Toby and Doug agree with this, lives are at stake. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Lives are at stake. Amen. Uh, maybe to, to end that point there, uh, full agreement that partial obedience is better than no obedience. It's just that, is it partial obedience to something just or unjust? <laughs> Or if because partial obedience to something just is better than full obedience to something that God says He hates. Boom, boom. That's called the internal critique. Well done. Very important. Is true of the necessity of ending abortion. Six. We reject the notion that any incremental bill that stops short of complete abolition means that its supporters are permitting any abortion before and within the limited parameters. For example, and then you can kill the baby. Any more than God's law limiting polygamy was God granting permission to a man to take a second wife. Exodus 21, 10. Seven. Since well, we let's, cannot... let's talk about that, because that goes back uh, to yeah, the issue Yeah, this is of... really important. Yeah, this, let's, uh, this, this, is, this is key. I'll let you go first. Go ahead. I was just going to say, let me give an example. So this is the most recent bill that was passed here in Arizona Uh, in place of something like our bill, an equal protection bill. And here's the very first provision. Number one, this bill prohibits a physician except in a medical emergency from intentionally or knowingly performing, inducing, or attempting to perform or induce an abortion if the probable gestational age of the unborn human being has been determined to be greater than 15 weeks. So that's the benchmark, 15 weeks. If you have reached that stage of development, the law will protect you. Mm. So... 
if you have on the one hand someone saying, no, we reject that our support of bills like this show partiality and throw all the children that are under 15 weeks under the bus, so to speak. That's what the bill says. Right. Like it says it in the bill. Right. If it, we have to like deduce what it's saying here. If they're younger than 15 weeks, you can kill them. Right. That's the, the, the deduction. That's the point. Toby, you have to accept that. That's, you know, there's, there's, there's one, one area I want to address here and, and agree with you. And another area I think where you, you completely, you know, fall on this point is that that's what these bills say. In, Zach's bringing up a good point. In Arizona, the pro-life establishment fought against our bill for equal protection that would have protected all children, right? They put theirs in and their bills are like, <laughs> just, it's a moot point. You cannot kill a child for the express reason of genetic abnormality. I always harp on this one. Because what does that mean? You can kill... If you don't want it. <laughs> you can kill the other children. But you can't do it because of genetic abnormality. That's what the bill says. Right? That's what the bill says. And so you have to sort of embrace that. You know, if you're, if you're, going, to, if you're going to put your stamp of approval on a bill that says you can kill these children but not these children, I mean, you, you have to accept the fact that you are giving an admission that, okay, I accept the fact that you're going to kill these ones but not these ones. Um, it's unavoidable. It, it is unavoidable. When, when, you, when but, you look at the terminology. But I think what's important here is maybe what Toby is more aiming at, because I want to try to always, uh, always assume innocence and always think the best of somebody and try to make sure you're hearing them. Um, this issue of in incremental step, again, there's some, some definitional problems here, but Luke brought it up at the beginning. The issue of, is it a righteous increment or an unrighteous increment? That's the key issue. Is it a righteous increment or is it unrighteous? Because you're, you're right. This world is filled with injustice and evils that go down the line. Like Luke said, you can provide equal protection for all humans in the state from conception and then you go, yay, victory. Now we have the right definition. Now every human is protected, but then someone violates that. And then you go, oh, shoot. This law standards for witnesses and evidence and their standards in terms of what is actually a just penalty is totally off. I mean, what was that heartbeat bill in Texas? Like ten thousand dollar fine or something, and it was civil. And given yeah. uh, this bill, it's it would classify it as a class six felony. That's the least severe yeah. uh, felony category that we have to offer in yeah. Arizona. So what are we saying in teaching about the unborn? We're saying that they're not as important to protect as people that are born. Why? Because we made it a class six felony as opposed to something more severe. Right. We're not saying that they're equal before the law right. and in the eyes of right. God exactly. by what we write. Right. Exactly. I'll leave it there. Snap our fingers and end all abortion in every land immediately. All efforts to end abortion must be incremental in time and space. If you're waiting until the next legislative session to bring a bill of complete abolition, how is that not incremental? Are you saying that it's okay to kill babies until then? Of course not. If you're He's right. Yeah. Right. And that's what we kind We've of talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the issue. Again, there's a problem with definition there. And, you know, the problem is also Toby might have had just himself reamed by tons of people in comments who are just abusive and haven't thought this through themselves. Um, they can't think with categories either. Right. You know, Christians have a problem with that. Well, the whole world has a problem with that thinking in categories. And so there may be people that have just sort of like idolized the movement of abolition and they go incrementalist and immediatist and put it into the pro-life movement and it's like like they got the t-shirts and they've gotten they've got the the wrist 
bands and all all the rest and sort of like this is my team this is my thing and they're not thinking in terms of like category of like toby's right there is going to be a, a step here or there but toby's got some problems and definitions there the issue is again is it a righteous increment or is it an unrighteous increment yeah it's going to start in florida right i get it yeah and that's an increment that's not the whole world all at once but when it happens in florida pray pray to the Lord through the work that we're doing through all of the churches we're working with and establishing justice, it won't be with a bill that God hates. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, maybe just one more thing about this, too, because usually the, the mm-hmm. justification comes up as like, you know, something like this passes. If this bill passes, well, it's saving some lives. Like, that's kind of the defense of it. It's saving lives. But I think it, this has to be said that in that situation, what's going on there is what we're highlighting in that kind of scenario is God's mercy and grace in the midst of our faithful unfaithfulness and disobedience. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's not a, it's not a, you know, a, a pat on the back for us. Mm-hmm. It's God being gracious mm-hmm. and allowing those lives to be saved. Contrary right. to what he, he says that he endorses prescriptively. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. If that makes sense. Exactly. Bringing a bill in Oklahoma and not the whole world. Are you saying that it is okay to kill babies in Massachusetts or India? Of course not. In the same way, small steps toward ending abortion, like heartbeat bills and ultrasound bills or parental permissions, need not be seen in any way as either permitting or regulating murder. But, but they are. The, <laughs> the fact that they are. <laughs> Toby, they are. Toby, there's no way out of that, brother. They are. They are permitting and they are regulating. Specifically, they're called regulatory bills. They are permitting and they are regulating murder. Toby agrees that it's murder. Toby agrees it needs to stop immediately. And he says, but these bills that regulate it and permit it shouldn't be seen as regulating it and permitting it. Why not? I, I, no. hate, I hate to go back to the example of our uh, recent bill here, the awful one, but the abortionist has to fill out a report. The date the abortion was performed, the method that the abortion was used, the probable gestational age of the human being in the womb, and the method used to detect it, a statement that the abortion was necessary because of a medical emergency. What are all of these, if not regulations? Right. What are they? You have to see them for what they are. What was it like, uh, I think it was like three years ago, maybe when we were starting when we first met in in uh, Texas at Bradley's, remember the bill that Arizona had just passed? It was like, this was like the big win for the Republicans was they put a bill in the place that said, if you're going to have an abortion, you have to say why you're having the abortion. Right, you have to report the I reason. Mean, brother, that's about, that's regulating murder. You can murder your baby as long as you tell us why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. There's so many places. It's weird, you it's point weird to because there's there's part of me that also wants to try to say, can we all just like think about whether or not we would act like this and say these things in an other in another area of injustice, like say sex trafficking? Yeah, I've said this a lot. It's weird, right? Like all of us are indoctrinated by our culture, we're affected by our culture, whether we fight against it and want to admit it or not. We're all in some way affected, like we're dumbed down. Like for example. I caught myself the other day walking through the mall with my daughter. I was going to try to find a phone because mine's broken. And seeing all these gay couples holding hands, walking around, 
And I caught myself after seeing about two or three of them. Wait a second. Why did I just, why did I just act like that was normal? And like, yeah, yeah, right. Like, if in the in the eighties when I grew up, we talked a lot about the eighties. It doesn't appall us it anymore. Have right? People were shocked by it, even yeah, in the eighties. Yeah. In the nineties, I had friends in high school, of course, that were definitely, definitely homosexual, but they wouldn't come out and say it. They wouldn't certainly hold hands in the hallway and those sorts of things because of how it would have shocked people. And I caught myself like, because we're so we're so affected by it. My point is, is that we all get dumbed down. And what I mean here in a comparison is very simply this. What if you heard pastors talking this way about ending sex trafficking with this kind of weak needness? That's a word, right? Weak needness? I like it, it is now. Because um, it is. It's weak knees. It's compromised weak knees. And I, let's be honest. We wouldn't talk this way about sex trafficking. Why? Because everybody in the world hates sex trafficking. Yeah. Except for the ones that are doing it. But all the communities, all cultures, it's disgusting, it's evil, it's an abomination, you got to fight against it, Who can t- take down everyone involved and give them the, uh, prosecute them to the fullest extent of the law, that's an easy realm to fight in because everybody's on your team. And so if you had a place where sex trafficking was actually legal and permitted and people were trying to fight against it and they were like, okay, well you can, uh, you know, there's not much we can do about this now, it's, you know, it's a big industry here, so let's just say you can't sex traffic the girls under 11. Mm-hmm. But everybody above, you really think as a pastor that you would say, "Okay, I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to be smash mouth about this, and I'll get to it later, but I'll accept that for now." No, I think we'd all be full throated, totally opposed, warring against it with the eternal law word of God, and without <laughs> acceptance to no. any degree. Or how about someone says, "You know, you can sex traffic, but not the kids with Down syndrome." How about that? We would say, what are, you, what are you talking about? Are you out of your minds? No, this is sin. It's an abomination. It's evil. Let's take down everybody involved and let's, give them, let's prosecute them to the fullest extent of the law. I think the reason that we talk about smash mouth incrementalism like this is because we've been so affected by the culture itself and their acceptance of this. And let's be honest, the pro-life establishments yep. working on us as pastors this is acceptable. We're going to do it this way. We can do it this way. We'll just take a little bit. We'll compromise a little bit. Let's be honest. That's affected all of us. It's worn down pastors. It's worn down establishments. It's worn down organizations. So everyone just goes, I guess that's the way we're doing this. Well, how about we get some hardcore, solid, pipe-hitting Presbyterian covenanters that will act like the Presbyterian covenanters in Scotland on the area of abortion? How about that? Yeah, and they they won't approach ethics in a situational fashion. Like yeah. let, let's let, in Arizona, here's what we can get, but we're in California. Mm-hmm. We can't get that here, mm-hmm. so now we have to give a little bit more here just to get more and back because we're in a liberal state, right? That's not God's approach to ethics. Mm-hmm. Other as limiting and suppressing murder while discipling the nations, the corruption of some pro-life groups who champion these sorts of bills as quote major victories need not curb our enthusiasm for running the next play. Eight, the body of Christ. I'll just say last to that. You can't, and we've already said it a lot. Say it again. You can't run a play that God hates. Yeah. Can't. You can't run a play that God says is an abomination. You can't make a case for that either. I mean, as, as a Christian, as a pastor, as a minister of the gospel, you can't make a case for run the play that God says is an abomination. There's no way out of that. You can't, you can't do that. That's why we reject it. Is diverse and not every good work is the duty of every member of the body. 
while we affirm that the murder of the unborn is a heinous sin and crime that some Christians must give themselves to ending, the preaching of the gospel in local churches, missions and evangelism and mercy ministries, as well as the building of cultures of life through families, schools, and businesses are also essential parts of calling the world to repentance and obedience to Christ. Christians who give themselves to building faithful Christian communities where children are welcomed and cared for are as much part of ending abortion as those brothers preaching outside of abortion mills and those calling legislators to end abortion. And therefore, we must not despise one another for building and fighting on different parts of the wall of the kingdom. Preach that, Pastor. He Amen. is right. Toby, you're right, right, right. You said it better, honestly, than I think I ever have. You are right. And I think that anybody who is in the abolitionist community um, that heard that needs, needs to take it in. Yeah. Because let's just be honest, and I'll just speak to it, because I call myself an abolitionist in terms of my methodology of trying to pursue and end this. I'm not a card-carrying person. I'm not... I'm part of a little group. I'm, I'm, that's what I believe. You must abolish it and do it through the work of the church and the gospel, all that. You know, um, I can't tell you how many people's lives I've seen come apart and be destroyed because they see that as this is the only thing. It's the only thing. And if you're not doing yeah. this, you're not faithful to God. Right. If you're not doing this, you're engaged in the same idolatry as the rest of the culture. And if you're not doing this, if you're not out there, if you're not doing this, it's like, wait, 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 wait. This is a kingdom, and it has people within a body that all have different gifts, right? And they're all called many times to different things. And so, yeah, the person who's not going to the abortion mill every single day or out with us at the uh, legislature, that's actually like building an orphanage, <laughs> like their their work is just as valuable, right? This isn't the only thing. And I will, I will say what Toby said there was excellent. And I want to say that within this movement, people need to be aware of the idolatry that can set in, where this becomes the only thing. All of every morning, every night, it's the only thing you can think about. It's the only thing you can talk about. It's the only thing you ever speak about. Um, you, 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 you almost uh, push away everybody in your life in terms of, of relational intimacy with all these other people in your life, because the only thing that matters at all is this issue of abolition, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. the, the Pastor Toby's right. The local church matters. The preaching of the gospel matters. Discipleship matters. And you know, you can do discipleship and gospel proclamation and a local church without mentioning abortion. You know, you can. It's possible. Abortion exists in our land. We must fight it as a grave injustice and evil, but it is not the only injustice. And for people to chastise other believers for not being fully involved in this area with and, and treating it as the ultimate only thing, uh, there's a problem there. Because yeah. there are some Christians God's calling to stop sex trafficking, and they don't have the time or the energy to fight in the area of uh, abolition. Yeah. And guess what? They're faithful to God too, yeah. and they don't have to look like you and do what you're doing. But the point is, is as a Christian church, we should all be saying the same thing about this thing. We should all be willing to testify against it and be prophetic against it, of course. And yeah, not everyone's called to go to the abortion mill. Not even everyone has the opportunity. This is one thing Gabe said to me the other day. He's like, he's like, I love, I love these guys that are going to the abortion. He's like, I don't have one anywhere near me, which is right, right. 
Right. Praise God for that. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I would love it if we didn't have any bias, you know, but so not everyone even has the ability to go to the abortion mill, you know, but but like you just said, that doesn't mean that we don't fight it in other ways that we are able to. Yeah. yeah. There are various manifestations of our nation's religious apostasy. And that's why there's uh, one body in many parts, because there's people uniquely equipped to deal with every area. That's right. All right. Need the church. We went a long time today. That's right. Pastor good. Toby, we love you. We love you, brother. Love Maybe you, love we'll you. have you on. Maybe we'll do a public moderated debate. <gasps> Maybe. Reformcon 2022. Maybe that can happen. Oh, by the way, speaking of Reformcon, I, I wanted to answer a question. Uh, somebody asked about discounted rates, and I asked while we were on the show. Um, if you go to the website, there's the location and lodging. There is a referral link under there, and you get a discounted rate for the rooms at 150 instead of 220. It's you very see, good. You see, we even take care of you with that. It even costs. Yeah. We even got you hookups on the room rates themselves. You can even stay at the location. You don't have to go somewhere else. Driving like forever ago. Yeah. And wasn't there a conference once one time when like it was like it was it was sort of like a farm place, like cattle arena or something. <laughs> And there was there's something about this conference I remember, and there was like nowhere to eat nearby. It yeah, was like out in the like boonies, mm-hmm. and like no one had like any choices of places to go eat. You had to drive a long time to get to a place. I, I yeah. seem to remember that in the restroom there was a place to play putt putt. Well, as well, peeing. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember one, a re- yeah a restaurant that we went to, and it just it just yeah. foul odor. That there was some weird floating. <laughs> even Doug food. Wilson, there he, was like floating things. Even Doug that. Wilson made a comment about how foul it smelled in there. Yeah. It's like weird. I, I think we're we're working against any kind of foul smells. No foul smells. We're gonna work against sure that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and ours is cheaper though, right? It is cheaper. It is cheaper. Mm-hmm. It is cheaper, and uh, we're gonna have more going on. But we love our boys over at Cross Politic. I'm sure we'll have more conversation on this. It's a continuing conversation. It's an important one. Again, maybe we'll have a discussion with Toby face-to-face. Maybe we'll do a public moderated debate if he's open to it. How you like that? Smash mouth incrementalism versus abolition, which is biblical. Can we call it smash burger incrementalism? <laughs> what did you say earlier? Smurf? 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 Luke the Bear. Peace out. Conover. Later. Jeff Ninja. Next time. <laughs> I'll see you radio. Catch you next time. <laughs>